appreciate the opportunity to be here and uh, to experience all the the life of uh, Northwest Texas. This is great. Uh, we've got a little more, a few more trees, a little greener in Kentucky, uh, but uh, this is beautiful out here in its own right. And so it's been really good to be out here. If you've got your Bible with you, open up to uh, Psalm 119. If you don't know how to find that, it's right about the middle, and it's the really long one. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. We're not going to read the whole thing this morning, but if you did read it, it would take you about 25 minutes, and I'll tell you how I know that here in a little bit. 20 years ago, um, I developed a habit of, of, of couple different habits about reading the Bible that slowly, really slowly, over the long haul, began to change my life. And one of those habits was going through the book of Psalms every day uh, for a month. And four or five times a year I would go through that. I continue that habit today. Uh, you read five Psalms a day, and in 30 days... You go through all 150 psalms. So there's some months where that works better. Uh, then in February, you might read a little bit more, but for most every other month, that works. And then when you come to this psalm, the longest psalm, you, you give it its own day. And by doing that, you're in the Word of God all over. Well, I, I came to learn as I was studying the history of the church that there's, for all 15, 1,600 years, there have been a number of Christians who've had that practice, but instead of doing it over 30 days, they do it in seven. And so they take five different times during the day and read five different psalms. And so over the course of uh, a week, you read through all this. And as I was reading works written by those folks, I came to hear echoes of the Bible in just in their normal writing. And, you know, what you're surrounded by, what you, what, what you kind of swim in all the time really affects how you view life, how you respond to the circumstances of life. And it, it hit me, a lot of these folks spend the, the great part of their day in the Bible. Now, most of us don't have the free time to do something like that, or at least we don't think we do. Uh, what I want to try to encourage you here today is you, you actually have more time to be in God's Word than you realize, uh, and, and beginning to sort of view life from the lens of, I want to give priority to this, and maybe less priority to some other things, uh, even some good things, can make a huge difference. But Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's 176 verses, broken up into 22 little eight-verse sections. Uh, and if you asked me 20 years ago, what's it about? I would say it's about the Bible. After reading it for 20 years, I think I would answer a little differently today, and I would say it's about someone that wants to know God by reading the Bible. You know, those two different things, right? This book is a different book than all the other books on my bookshelf. This book, uh, according to 2 Timothy is the very breath of God, and it's profitable. That is, it's, it's useful in our life for teaching us, for training us, for correcting us, rebuking us, 
uh, letting us learn how to live in the righteousness that's ours in Christ, right? Training us in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped, ready for every good work. Psalm 119 is an Old Testament reflection on how the Word of God begins to change us. And I want to look at this longest chapter of the Bible and just very quickly read a few verses. Okay, uh, We'll start in Psalm 119, verse 9, and I'm going to read down to verse 16 and make a few observations, and then we'll talk some practices that can help get this into here and into here so that when we go out into the world, what we do with this and what we do with this begin to reflect the righteousness that's ours in Christ. So Psalm 119, beginning in verse 9, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Don't let me wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I'll meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I won't forget your word. Now, if you were paying attention as you're reading through this, you see that the author of Psalm 119, and I say the author because this particular psalm doesn't have a superscription listing the particular author. Many of the psalms, most of the psalms, are written by David. And in the Hebrew Bible, verse 1 actually begins, a psalm of David. Some of the psalms are written by other folks, a psalm of Asaph, a psalm of Moses, some psalms, like this one, don't list a particular author. So I could say it's David, but I'm, and I might be right. I might be wrong. Whoever wrote Psalm 119, here's some things we know about them. One, they're in a pretty small class of people, right? The, the small class of people who are privileged to be able to write Scripture. God worked through this psalmist to produce this psalm. There's only a handful of people that have ever lived that could say, I wrote a poem under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that is Holy Scripture. And as you read through this psalm, then you realize this is somebody who God used in a way that he doesn't use any of us. Okay, It means God uses us in many ways, but he hasn't used us to write Scripture. All right? the, the book is closed in that sense. We don't get to add anything to it. But in that small group, even among those who would be blessed to be the ones who write Scripture, listen to what this psalmist says about his relationship with God. Just go back and skim through some of these verses with me. How can a young man keep his way pure? This author is concerned with purity of life. You might think, well, if you get to write what is part of the Bible, why would purity of life be a concern for you? Wouldn't you already be pure? Wouldn't you already be good to go? Wouldn't you be already worried? But even one who's blessed to write the Word of God can say, I'm concerned. I want to be pure. Second, 
He wants to seek God, right? With my whole heart, I seek you. He's still seeking God. God is working through him. He's producing scripture. He's doing what none of us can do. He's doing what the vast majority of believers in history could not do. And yet he wants to seek God. Y'all, the closer we grow to God, the more we want to seek Him, not the less, right? Then, verse 11, I've stored up your words in my heart. Now, that's what the ESV translation says. I know the King James Version of it. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you, right? What's, what's the value of treasuring or storing up? It's taking something that you have today and putting it away. Now, when I'm teaching this to a different group of people, uh, I might use the imagery here of how Pirates of the Caribbean can teach us about you know, Bible study and what it means to be a believer. Because if there's anything you know about pirates, it's what do they like? Treasure. And what do they do with treasure? They take it. And what do they do with it once they've taken it? They go find a place, they dig a hole, they bury it, put some sand over it, maybe put you know, some kind of landmark feature, they draw a map, and then they go on and get more treasure, and they accumulate more and more. Why do they bury it? So they can't lose it, but why? really, why do they bury it? So no one else can find it, but they also bury it because they know that they're going to want it one day, and they take it today and hide it so that when they need it, they can come back and find it. That's what pirates can teach us about reading the Bible, okay? Uh, now, that's not what the psalmist had in mind. That's just a way of talking about it. But as we come to find the Bible, the psalmist is teaching us the principle, today, store up God's Word, hide it in your heart, so that in the day when you need it, in the day when uh, struggle comes, it's there, it's ready to be found. It's, it's there and no one else can take it from you. You know, Christians in China know a whole lot about this verse. I've, hear, I've heard testimony from some of my faculty colleagues who go and they teach at secret churches in China, and they said they're astounded by the number of believers, just ordinary folks, no seminary training, men and women, some in their 60s, 70s, 80 years old, who spend a lot of their time reading just one page of the Bible that they have hidden and hiding it in their heart because they know there's any day that that book could be taken away from them and they don't have access to it, but they always have access to it because it's here. And uh, that's challenging. You know, I, I probably have more Bibles between my office at work and my house than, than some bookstores do. You know, and probably the same thing, if I were to go in your homes, I could probably go through shelves and find on nightstands and uh, in bookshelves and other places several Bibles, may maybe dozens of Bibles. Pastor Jeremy, how many Bibles are on your shelf? More, more than two. Probably less than a thousand. Somewhere between two and a thousand, right? A range, range there. Fair, fair guess? All right, that's it. I'll be, uh, I'll be offering prognostications on NFL games later. and It'll be somewhere between zero and 60 my guess right we have a wealth of bibles but i wonder if we're rich inwardly by treasuring this word in our hearts and and doing this but
But look, the, the psalmist continues, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Even one who could write Scripture wants to know. He wants God to teach him. He doesn't take for granted that he's good because he has a close walk with God. He wants a closer walk with God. He wants God to instruct him and so forth. He, he continues through this psalm. And if you were paying attention, you notice that he, he doesn't just say Bible. In every verse, he uses some synonym for the Word of God. Let's just go back through, and, and it, in your translation, it may look a little different, but in verse 9, he says, your word. In verse 10, your commandments. In verse 11, your word. In verse 12, your statutes. In verse 13, the rules of your mouth. In verse 14, your testimonies, and so forth. The Word of God is very valuable. And in 173 of 176 verses in this psalm, he uses some synonym for the written, breathed-out Word of God. So, this is a person, a man who wants to pursue God. I'm assuming a man that has been following God and wants to continue doing it. And I understand that that would be true of many of you, men and women who know God, who want to pursue God and want to know Him even deeper over the long course of your life. There's a lot of things that we can do as Christians to, to know God and to follow Him well. There are a number of, of things we can, we can teach ourselves to do to reinforce knowing God and to build a relationship with God, right? So I've got a, uh, is this being recorded or live streamed? I'll, I'll be careful what I say. I've got, a, I've got one son who has a uh, close friend. And in the last few days, um, she's moved from a friend girl to flip that. <laughs> and I won't embarrass him on video. Uh, but one of the things that, as he's coming to know this young lady that he wants to do, is he wants to spend time with her. He wants to be near her and to talk to her and to throw Frisbees with her and to watch Spider-Man movies. And he wants to be around her in order to know her and to enjoy being in her presence. And some of y'all who are sitting close together maybe have a band on your finger maybe wanting a band on your finger, thinking about a band on your finger. You all know that experience of wanting to be near someone you love. But how is it that we get to be near God? The nearest way that we have given to us is through this and through prayer. Those two things form a cycle of listening and speaking. I don't know if you ever think about it this way, but when you're in a conversation or you're communicating, communi good communication at least is a rhythm of listening and speaking. Learning to hear and learning to talk. Sometimes we just like to talk and we don't really hear very well. Sometimes we're afraid to talk and we just listen all the time. Prayer is the communicative side where we're speaking to God and reading the Word is the listening side where we're hearing Him answer us back 
as we're reading this book, we're hearing God's response. How can we grow in that? Well, on one sense, learning to read the Bible is, is some of the most basic you know, math I can do. I'm not a mathematician. I'm teaching a stats course, but I, you know, they, they turned me loose on that, and, and we'll see what happens with it. But we know how to do t-tests, right? We know, we know how to do some things, find the average and all that. But look, there's 1,189 chapters in this book, right? Now, this book is not the longest book in the world. There's books that are longer than that, and there's some that are shorter in page length but seem longer when you try to read them. Sometimes, if we'll be honest, when we come to the Word of God, we come with a sense of, I, I know I'm supposed to want to read this book, but my life doesn't really seem like the psalmist's life. I don't really have the desire that I think I ought to. And when we're honest with ourselves, we feel a little bit guilty about that. Many of us have probably had an experience where it, it, it's the end of December, and we decide, you know, I really, I may not make resolutions, but I really want to, I really want to know God more this year. I want, I want 2022 to be different than 2021, and so. Come January, I'm going to start reading my Bible. And so we go online, we find us a Bible reading plan, and most Bible reading plans really work down to this. If you read four chapters of the Bible a day, you read through the Bible in less than 365 days. That's it. That's how they work. Uh, about 25 minutes of reading a day, reading four chapters, you can finish the Bible in one year. Okay? Uh, it's simple math on that. We start with great intentions, and we go through Genesis, and it takes us about a month. And then we get into Exodus, and it, it takes us about a month. And then we hit Leviticus, and our minds start to wander, right? Why are they wringing the necks off of doves? Why are they boiling kids, you know, goats and not boiling goats in their mother's milk? What are in the world are all these rules as it relates to personal hygiene? How does that have anything to do with me? And then we get to Numbers. And like Israel, we feel like we're wandering in the desert for 40 years, coughing, and it's dry, and then we just sort of do what? We close it, and then we might pick it back up a little bit and jump to our favorite places, and then we feel defeated and we feel guilty. I'm going to suggest that one of the ways, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about several ways here that we can actually overcome those barriers. Number one is just simply admitting that sometimes we don't enjoy doing what God calls us to do, and that's a problem within us. And asking God to change us is part of that. God can bring us into a sense of joy in his word if we will acknowledge to him honestly uh, our struggles. And if you'll confess that to another believer. You know, James 5 tells us, confess your sins one to another, and pray for one another, and so be healed. One of the realizations that really helped me grow as a Bible reader is to realize I wasn't the only one who had trouble reading the Bible. And so I began to talk to other brothers in the church, and, and they're like, you know, I have the same problem too. I've never read this book, that book, or when I do, I don't understand it, and I don't know what to do with that, and I feel guilty. And so I learned that confessing that, asking for prayer, and then taking one real practical step can make you a better Bible reader, which is to 
find another brother or sister or two who are struggling and say, hey, you know what? I'll buy coffee. You buy donuts. Let's get together on Saturday morning for two hours, and let's just read through a book of the Bible together, one that's hard. Well, well, that's not how I usually spend my Saturday morning. That doesn't, well, okay, so two or three times a year, you can probably give up two or three Saturday mornings or Thursday nights or uh, Wednesday afternoons, whatever the time may be. And so we get together and we sort of divvy up and say, okay, I'll take chapter one, you take chapter three, you take chapter seven, and, and uh, we'll just read it together out loud. We'll sit in a coffee shop, we'll sit in a restaurant, have our Bibles out. We'll sit at somebody's home over coffee, over a fire pit on a nice chilly fall night. And let's just read through the Bible out loud. And at the end of this, you know what will have happened? We will have heard from God. Or we could just sit in our own struggle and not. You know, the other thing that really helped me become a reader of the Bible, and I don't claim to be the best reader of the Bible or even a great reader of the Bible, I want to be a consistent reader of the Bible, and I'm, I'm trying to grow in that myself. And one of the things that really helped me was unbreaking some bad habits that I picked up from some really well-meaning Christians. You know, one of the biggest blessings in my life was working third shift. Now, I don't know if you, how many of y'all have ever worked third shift before? Start about 10 or 11 o'clock at night, get off 6 or 7 in the morning. Some people love that, and some people thrive on that. And if that's you, I worry about you because I, I, I did it for a year and a half and I was like a zombie the whole time. I never could get it going well. Uh, but I had a man that worked with me uh, and I was, I was working in the computer industry, was repairing computers and printers, working as a 19-year-old young man, had been a believer for a couple of years. And I had this African-American man named Ben. He was a pastor bivocationally. And he heard that I was a Christian. He saw a little cross necklace. And so he would come beside, sit beside me at 2.30 in the morning at lunch. And he would encourage me. And he would ask me how, how I'm doing in my life. And one day he came and he brought me this little hardback Bible. And it was divided up into a one-year reading plan. And he said, you know, I just if you'll read this book, it's going to change your life. And I followed that thing. And I read through the Bible for the first time, having been a believer for just a few years. And my mind was blown by what I found in there. But, you know, and I followed that habit of reading. So you'd read a little bit from Genesis, a little bit from the prophets, a little bit from Matthew, a little bit from the epistles, and you'd divide it up. And I got to the end, and I, I taught myself to read the Bible, reading four chapters a day at different places. And then I found myself one day realizing I'm kind of all over the map with this. In my mind, it takes me a year to read the Bible, and I do it in these chunks and I had trained myself to read it in this way. And then one day it dawned on me, you know, if I've got an audio Bible and I look at the track length on that, how, how many hours do you think it takes to read the entire Bible from cover to cover? If you just were to try to put it in, in hours. You know, we're talking about doing it over a year. How many hours do you think? More than 12, less than 120, 72 to 73 hours. Now stop and think about that for a minute. 
72 to 73 hours. If, if I'm talking to you at a normal cadence, about like what I'm talking now, where I'm not talking really slow, nor am I talking really fast, like I'm trying to get all my ideas in and I'm really nervous or something, but if I, but if I just talk at a normal pace in about 72 hours or about half a week, you could actually read through or listen to the entire Bible. Now, most of us can't sit up and do that straight. I know, I've known one brother who was in the hospital, and he didn't have anything else to do, and he couldn't sleep because he's in a hospital. Who, who in the world can sleep in a hospital unless you're medicated, right? He just sat and read his Bible for a week and read the whole Bible in a week while in a hospital bed recovering from heart surgery. That made me really shallow with all my excuses. Like, well, okay, I suck it up because you... you you're a man. I'm not. <laughs> I need to do more here. Uh, but that realization changed my, my mind about things. And here's what it, I also realized on it. I was training myself to read the Bible in a way that it wasn't written. Because chapter and verse divisions in our Bibles, they come, I know this is going to sound weird, but they're only about 400 years old. There's no... Psalm 119, it's 119th Psalm from, from number one to get there. But if you were a, a, a Hebrew reading the Bible at the time of Jesus, you wouldn't known that this was Psalm 119. You would just know it's the long one. Okay? And you wouldn't know that verse 11 is, your word I've treasured in my heart, or whatever, how can a young man keep his way pure? You would just know that it comes in sequence here. It's not until the 15 and 1600s that we start to get chapter and verse divisions into our Bible. And sometimes those teach us to read in such a way that doesn't really follow the text of Scripture. Not that it's bad. There's nothing wrong. It's pretty convenient to be able to stand up here and say, open your Bible to this book, this chapter, this verse, and we're on the same page, right? That helps. But as a reader, that can introduce some artificial things. And so I, I would read these chunks that really sometimes had nothing to do with each other. And every day I'm trying to remember, now what was I read yesterday in, in Matthew? And what did I read yesterday in Isaiah? And it dawned on me that the way God inspired his word was in whole books. So, for example, we'll be preaching this morning, uh, you, and you'll be listening. I say, we, I hope you're not preaching. Maybe you are going to preach this morning. I don't know. I'm going to preach from Colossians. And I'm going to preach from one chapter of Colossians. But, you know, that was a letter. And that letter was written to a church to be read aloud in a church. And if you read Colossians aloud at a normal pace, it takes you about 22 minutes to do that. I was reading it over four days in little chunks. That's not how Paul wrote it. That's not how God intended it to be read aloud. Now, it's not wrong to read it in four chunks, but it creates some problems. Instead, what I began to do is look at the books of the Bible and ask the question, how long would it take me to read that? And I had a professor one time tell me, and it, just an English professor, say, you know, one of the habits that changed his own life was that he would read through the Bible and he would sort of pay attention to about how long it took him, and he would write that down in the table of contents and he kept a Bible with him, so if he had to go to a doctor's appointment, or if he was in an airport waiting on a plane, or if he was just traveling and having a meal alone at a, in a restaurant somewhere and he had time to kill, 
he could flip to the table of contents. He could look at his watch and say, oh, you know, I've got about 20 minutes. I could read any of these books of the Bible. And so he'd just open up and read it, just sitting right there, just reading it. And so I started trying to read the Bible in that way. And one of the things I've learned is half of the Bible can be read in 30 minutes or less. 33 books of the Bible out of the 66, you can read them, even if you're a slow reader like me, you can read them in under 30 minutes. Half of the books of the Bible, y'all. For most of us, we think, oh gosh, that would take me six months or seven months. If you did it, if you read one book a day from that, in just over one month, you could read half the Bible. All it is is a matter of changing your perspective on it. I had taught myself that to read the Bible was this really long, slow, tedious process that took a year. Now, there are other ways of reading the Bible faithfully and doing it faithfully, and, and there's no place in the Bible that says thou shalt read the Bible once a year. But I want you to think with me about the change that reading the Bible on the long haul of your life over and over again can produce in your life. Now, one thing that I've learned from talking to plumbers and cardiac surgeons okay, is that they both have something in common. They both worry about calcification. Calcification is when you have an artery or a pipe, some plumbing, and over the years, a bunch of debris builds up around that. So your quarter-inch pipe slowly constricts, or that artery slowly constricts, and what happens? Pressure builds up. Stuff can't get through. If it's, if it's in your heart, that's real bad, because if the blood can't get through, you're in trouble, right? Cardiac surgeons and plumbers know that from time to time, you have to kind of go in and flush out the debris. And here's why reading the Bible is sort of like that. Just by living in the world, watching the news, whether you consume it online or on the radio or turn on your TV, just going through life, we're surrounded by debris. The world has an agenda, and it is not to follow God, to love God. It is not to be holy. It is not to honor Jesus Christ. Okay? We live in that world. We are surrounded by that world. Our entertainment, uh, our music, our movies, all those things subtly over time begin to have an effect on us that's sort of like calcification. Right? It's just an imagery. But our hearts begin to build up and our minds begin to build up with the stuff we're surrounded by. And what we need is the purging power of the Word of God to come through and blow out that debris, to clean us out, and to regularly be exposed to this, almost like an anchor to hold us fast to who God is. We subtly drift away. We need this word regularly over the long haul, even if you know it. This word, according to Hebrews 4, is what? Living and active. God is doing things in us. Now, I want to encourage you to develop the habit 
of what one friend of Jeremy's uh, and, and an acquaintance of mine, Andy, uh, is, has called macro reading and micro reading. You know, when I was a kid, one of the toys I had uh, were micro machines. Anybody old enough to remember micro machines? Yeah, Jeremy, yeah, you got to remember. These tiny little cars, right, little detailed cars, and you'd smuggle them into elementary school, and, you know, you'd race them across tabletops and stuff. And uh, Well, maybe, maybe not. Pastor Jeremy did. I'm sure he just admired them on his shelf and didn't do anything like that. But they're cool because they're uh, really detailed and they're small and they're portable and you can kind of look at it. Well, micro-reading of Scripture is what we might call Bible study. Micro-reading of Scripture is taking a small chunk, a paragraph, maybe even a sentence, and, and going really deep and looking at that in great detail. Macro reading, big stuff, is trying to read large portions of the Bible in one sitting. Now, if I were, um, if I had some Disney graphics, I would, you know, do this 3D whirly thing that shows you, uh, you know, a, a lot of things. But let me encourage you with this: the absolute longest chapter in the Bible, the the longest book in the Bible that takes the most time to read, is the Book of Psalms. It takes five hours. Okay. You have Isaiah and Jeremiah. You have Deuteronomy, First and Second Chronicles that take four hours-ish to read. But from there, it goes down. You know, you can read the Gospel of Mark in about 45 minutes to an hour. I remember, I still remember the first time in my life when I did that. I was on a Sunday afternoon, I was bored, so I just opened up my Bible and I just started reading, and I didn't stop until I finished the Gospel of Mark, and then I looked and it had only been about an hour. And I thought, oh my, why do I spend that over a month when I could do that in an hour? And I remember reading 1 Corinthians. I had to have some wisdom teeth out one time and I couldn't sleep, and so I was up really early and I just had a Bible open, so I just started reading and so I read 1 Corinthians, and I read 2 Corinthians, and I looked, and it had been about an hour and 15 minutes, and it was only 7 in the morning, and I'm like, well, shoot, I could do this again today if I wanted to. Learning to read a whole book of the Bible in one sitting takes a change in our perspective and our habits. It does. Sometimes we're just not used to doing that. But I would encourage you to do that, and look, 33 of the 66 books, you can do that in less than 30 minutes. Every one of you has 30 minutes in a day that you can devote to this, right? The busiest people that I know in my life are medical doctors and stay-at-home moms. And both of those people have 30 minutes somewhere in their day. And for most of us who aren't as busy as stay-at-home moms or medical doctors, right, you've got that time. Now, there's a number of, of ways you can do this. Pastor Jeremy and I, we didn't coordinate this, but we were talking this morning, and he said one of his habits is something that ind you know, completely independently we, we have done, and that is to turn on an audio Bible and let somebody else read to you while you keep your eyes on a physical Bible. Now, why that works is when I'm just sitting there reading, sometimes my mind wanders. Sometimes 
depending on the time of day, I might yawn and get a little drowsy, you know. Well, having somebody else read it to you keeps your eyes on the page, keeps you focused, keeps you going, helps you move, keep moving through the text, keeps you from getting stalled. But even if your job doesn't allow you to have a physical Bible, some of you all are out driving combines, piloting combines might be more astute because those things are fancy. It's like a space shuttle from what I've seen of them. Uh, you're, you're piloting those things. Well, some of you have a smartphone while you're doing that, and you know you can listen to the Bible for free on your smartphone from any number of sources, any number of translations. Throw some earbuds in, listen for a half hour, and then maybe listen a little bit longer. Okay, There's lots of times. Now, I, for me, I can't listen to the Bible when I'm driving my car. Because when I'm listening to the Bible, I need to be paying attention. When I'm driving my car, I need to be paying attention. And trying to do two things that require my attention at the same time, one of them is going to get short shrift, and only one of them can get short shrift at that time. Right? I've got to actually be safe in the car, so I, I don't try to listen to the Bible in, in my car. I did for a while, and I realized I was tuning out the Bible because I was focused on driving, or I was focused on the Bible and not focused on driving, and that either one of those is a big problem, right? Uh, but when I'm a passenger in the car, throw in some headphones, listen. When I'm on an airplane sometimes, throw in some headphones, listen to a section, redeem some time, Find some time with you. You know, having a smartphone is really nice and convenient because you can open up the Bible on an app wherever you may be when you have some downtime. The negative side to that is there's so many other blinking, glowing, buzzing things on there that can distract you. That's not my favorite way to read it. Reading it with a print Bible is a lot more helpful to do that. But let me encourage you. Uh, and I'll send, a, I'll send something to Pastor Jeremy that he can find the appropriate way to pass along to you all that lists those 33 books and approximately how long it takes to read them. And this will be my challenge to you. Even though it's October and not January, you can start this today. You can start this this week. You could start before the day is out on this new venture of reading the Bible to come to know and follow God more closely. One of the things that's been really helpful to me to do this is to pick a short book and read it every day for a month. So, for example, I might pick Ruth, four chapters. It takes about 15 minutes to read the book of Ruth. And I might take a whole month and just every day I'm going to sit down and read the book of Ruth. I'm going to read it in the same translation for a week. Then I'm going to, I might grab another Bible translation and read it in that, looking for some differences in how folks translate it. Not to be a critic of it, but to say, is there something that the King James presents that helps me understand what a modern English translation doesn't? Or is there something in the New American Standard that helps me better understand what the New King James is, is saying with it? And then you know what happens after four or five days? You start to kind of know what's about to come because you're familiar with it. And what after about seven or eight days, you're so familiar with it that you can actually start to slow down and maybe spend 20 minutes instead of the 15 that's the bare minimum for reading it, 
And you might actually start to think about some of the things you're reading. You might take a paragraph or even a sentence and just sort of dwell on that. And you might even let that move you to prayer. You might be reading through Ruth chapter 1 and and you might see um, the bitterness of soul that Naomi has. And you may know someone who's been widowed in your life. And you might just read through that and say, Oh, Lord, would you help this person from becoming bitter in her widowhood? You might be reading through Ruth and you get to chapter 4 and you see the kinsman redeemer Boaz and you, you might want to know, you know, you might pray, Lord, thank you that you became our redeemer and, and generate this and, and you slow down. But over the course of a month, you know, if you do that, you won't have memorized the book of Ruth at the end of 30 days. But you'll be a lot more familiar with it than you are if you only read it once a year or only sporadically. Now, you can do that with New Testament books really easy. Almost all the New Testament from um, after 1 Corinthians. So uh, Romans is long, so Galatians up to 3 John. You can read one of those things in about 45 minutes or less, Hebrews being the next longest thing that you'd encounter in there. Um, Husbands and wives. From time to time, this is something that you can do. Pick an evening when you're not going to binge watch your favorite show on Netflix. One evening a week, one evening a month, open a Bible, have some decaf coffee, and just take turns reading one chapter back and forth to one another. Take time to pray with your spouse over what it is you're reading. Take time to pray over your children with what you're reading. You can incorporate your kids into this, especially the short ones. right? I, look, we've got three boys. We've tried to do different Bible reading times with our family. And uh, I, I've got some coworkers that are like, well, we have a one-hour devotion every day with our kids. And I'm just sitting there looking at them side-eyed like, how's that working for you? Y'all, y'all have some awesome kids. We've got some awesome kids, but we're not going to try to read for an hour, are we, buddy? That's not going to happen. His little brother would lose his mind. He would be running around the room, and it would descend into chaos if we did that. But for five minutes, I can get some folks' attention, and we can take turns as a family reading through the Bible. We can take turns as parents reading through the Bible with our kids in this way, the short books, just exposing them to the Word of God over and over and over and over again. So as we wrap up this morning, Um, What I would say in in terms of some action steps you can take are, number one, set your heart to the reading of God's Word. I I know that I don't have to arm wrestle any of you into believing that this is an important book. I'm not trying to argue or persuade you into that. I know that you already hold that. But I also know that your life, like mine, is probably filled with distractions and occasions to not read this book. And sometimes we don't need much uh, persuasion to set it aside and to go somewhere else and to find something else to do to fill our time. We can all find a little bit of time that we didn't think we had to come to this book and read it and read it and read it. Second action step I would say is, before this week is over, 
ask the Lord to help you pick one book that you're going to spend maybe some time this fall in. Whether you read it for a month or not, whether you just read it in one sitting, I know that God will meet you in that reading. I'm just so positive of that, that God will meet you and encourage you and teach you his word in that in that time. And I would encourage you to pick one. If you can, start with two weeks and say, I'm going to read through this for two weeks. Maybe you, then you can say, well, I'll go to three weeks, maybe then to a month, maybe longer. And you're just going to spend some time going over and over this book in your mind. Maybe you're going to intentionally memorize some pieces of it or, or work on it. Whatever it may be, start this week, start today, find a book. And if you struggle, like me, to read some parts of the Bible, find someone, whether you're married to them, you work with them, wherever, whoever it may be, a brother or sister here in this church, find them and say, I'll buy the donuts, you buy the coffee. Let's read through this together. All right? Now, we're going to wrap up now. We'll let you do the logistics of time. I'll let you close this out here after a pray uh, and do that. And, and so I don't know your normal rhythms of Sunday morning here, but friends, start today. Let's pray. Father, thank you that your word is a sure and steady guide. Thank you that it cleanses us. Thank you that your spirit uses your word to transform us. Lord, as we see your word and as we read it and hear it and inwardly digest it, as the old prayer says, Lord, would you change us into the image of Christ and help us grow to be holy believers? We ask that you would do this for your glory. Amen.